Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. And this week, you know, you don't hear John with us. Um, he isn't feeling so hot. As you know, the weather's been kind of, well, kind of shit. So, um, especially down here in the southeast where it's, you know, southeastern part of the United States, where usually we like it about mm, 75, 80 uh, year-round, and we've been, what, in the 40s? Yeah. Yeah, 30s in the morning. Yeah, we don't do that. Um, so, any of y'all in the northern states or anywhere where it snows, um, you can happily keep that. Uh, we're not interested. Uh, we'll come visit uh, during the months when it doesn't snow. Um, but, I digress. This week, we kind of want to jump back into a lot of our STEM stuff that we got going on. And, you know, one of the main reasons why we kind of do what we do. Um, as you know, we cover a lot of, you know, different STEM uh, topics. And this week, probably going to cover more of our, you know, controversial side of the house when it comes down to STEM. And what I mean by that is the advancements in STEM education. Where we've gone, or where we've been, to where we're going kind of anywhere in between, and we kind of will try to explain the best of our knowledge, best of who we are, what our experiences are with the uh, different approaches uh, that are out there. And, you know, as you know, this is not something that's, you know, brand new. It's something that's been around a while. And so STEM, you know, always started in the small schools, you know, worked its way up. And stuff like that, and eventually kind of made it to where you know it is today. So when we start talking about you know STEM education advancement, you know what do you think it? Well, <clears throat> we'll we'll just start like one aspect of it. I will say probably the biggest thing that I've been impressed with over the last I would say ten years, uh, in particular probably the last five years is gamification. Yeah. You know? I believe gamification from an aspect of trying to implement some STEM-related uh, coursework is a pretty great idea because um, it, it reaches home with kids that, that uh, have uh, handheld devices or tablets or that have... Uh, say PlayStation 4s or Xbox or or say Nintendo, whatever system, if you're able to take the same concept that can uh, uh, occupy a kid's time for hours and then make that educational, um, it's a win for you as an educator. And um, I think another thing that I would say would be the online... Uh, revolution that's happened uh, via COVID. I think the ability to be able to do things online has really allowed a lot of places that don't have the resources mm -hmm. to be able to reach a lot of their uh, student body. Yeah, I, you know, I have. You've, we've all heard. You know, one of our our you know classes or one of our podcasts before we brought on uh, Bridget. She is one of our local math teachers, good friend of mine, 
and you know she's kind of you know dealt with the digitization of middle school and middle school math and middle school course curriculum and stuff like that. So going digital, you know, it also helps because you know we do have some kids who you know they're not in traditional schools, you know they can't be or. Um, their parents don't, you know, pertain them to be in a digital school because they may have a, you know, a, a disability of some sort. That is where, like you said, the gamification and the beauty of online learning come into play. These kids, no matter, you know, if you're able body or not able body, you know, if you are, if you have a disability or if you don't have a disability, you still or you know special needs for that matter. You still get the same value of education that everybody else gets. There's no guess what you're in a special classroom now. These kids get to learn what their friends are learning. You don't you know so we're not worried about are we bridging that gap anymore. I, I think we we finally figured out how to close the gap a little faster than it was say 10 15 years ago. Because. You know, and the reason why, you know, I look at, you know, especially the special needs community is, you know, my nephew has autism. And I always kind of look of how can we, and, you know, I know uh, Champ has a, has a nephew that is as well. But how can we make sure they're getting the best benefit for education as they possibly can? And the fact is, is you get STEM education going digital and gamifying it helps these kids learn that just that much better which means that their val their, their 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 benefit of education skyrockets you know you get these kids who you know that you know they may not have ever thought about oh i can do that guess what now they can mm-hmm. well <clears throat> i would say special needs kids and kids with autism or kids with uh some type of uh concentration disability or uh, kids that are you know what I call uh, they're actually geniuses because they they can concentrate on one thing oh, yeah. one thing <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I believe with the technology we have today you could tailor programs for those kids um, via uh, online learning. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So everybody is everybody does not have the ability or the desire to be, say, a sculptor. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody can't be a great painter. Um, I can really draw a circle. Well, <clears throat> and another, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. Sinuses a little bit. And then the other thing is every everybody does not have the faculty to do complex mathematics. Right. But everybody has the ability to learn. So so when we say STEM, yes, it's, it's, it's the four core things and maybe some of the art stuff. But STEM can also be used another way. Mm-hmm. We can also use STEM to figure out courses for people that want to go into the culinary industry. We can figure out a STEM program for kids that learn a certain way. Mm-hmm. 
they 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 have to learn a particular way because of some type of uh, you know disability. Yeah. So what what I believe when we say some a kid has a disability, yes he does, but with the technology we can we can uh, I would say make it a we can append it or we could um, enhance it. We enhance can enhance it. it. But, and the thing is, I think also with that, not, not to, you know, not no, to no, stop no. you, stop you know, that you could use your drink right about now, is we, we, we kind of make it, you know, I don't mean it in a bad way, make it irrelevant. You know, make the kid be a kid. You know, make, make the person be a person, you know. We, we, we spend so much time worrying about, um, you know, are we doing the right thing by people? And I think that if we can actually gamify majority of our STEM education and stuff like that, make it where kids understand it, they have fun with it, um, then that kid doesn't have a disability anymore, mm-hmm. right? They do, but they don't. They're just a normal kid learning with their friends, mm-hmm. learning the same exact thing their friends are learning. And guess what? They're now part of everybody. I understand things make us different. I get that. I really do. But the thing is, is make everybody enjoy it. And I, and I think bringing everybody together, make everybody whole, teach everybody the same subject. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody has a little bit more fun with it. Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit different, just a little. I believe that in our school systems, we've, we've, we've tried too many times to try to have a well-rounded education for everybody. Yeah. And then what I'm seeing from my background, most of the kids that <clears throat> I went to school with ended up in a factory. Mm-hmm. So what did that well-rounded education provide? Yeah, exactly. If, if the goal is some kids don't want to go to a higher, uh, you know, university for education. Mm-hmm then why don't we focus on giving those kids a, a, a skill? Yeah. I, would, I would much rather have 80% of the population have a skill and 20% of the population go into higher education. Yeah, makes sense. If, if that's what they desire. Not, yeah. not, that you're, not that you're forced to do either. Right. You have free will to do either. But I'm saying if a person has no desire to be a physicist, or has little desire to be a mathematician, why are we teaching concepts beyond the basics of mathematics? Now, what I believe should happen is, is we should teach every person how to manage money. Yeah. That, that's something that should be, it should be life skills. We should be teaching life skills mm-hmm. and communication skills and skills like if you have a disability, how do you function outside the world on your own and it can be done now because we have AI right and if AI is used properly if it's used properly then AI can assist any person that has any disability right and it's wearable yeah and you start getting like AR type of stuff too yeah I mean, but what I mean like say it's a kid that has an attention problem mm-hmm. with AI and a wearable technology that technology can Okay, he's being distracted. Get him back, focus. Okay, uh, he has a anxiety if there's too many people in the room. 
the technology understands too many people in the room and it says, okay, we need to leave. Yeah. Or it sues him. Right. This is what I mean by using technology for people with disabilities, yeah. using AI properly. I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. You know, more machine learning than AI. Mm-hmm. It'll be more machine learning and deep learning. Yeah. But nonetheless, we should be using those type of things when people have disabilities. Right. But back to what we were talking about. I believe it is it is a society's responsibility to prepare every person to be able to function on their own. Yeah. I believe sometimes it's necessary in our society to help people. Yeah. But I believe in our society, we should be enabling people to, to become better by giving them the tools to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I agree with that. I am one of those type of people that, you know, I went through through high school. I went to, you know, a four-year university to start with. Um, tuition got a little bit too high. But I focused on flying airplanes. So, of course, my tuition was higher than everybody else's. You know, I was not an art major. You know, I was an aerospace major. You know, I learned and, to fly aircraft. Not, it's nothing wrong with being an art right, major. Exactly. That's what you want to do. But the thing is, is yes. the tuition difference. Yes. So, you know, I joined the Marine Corps. You know, I learned my trade, you know. And then from there, you know, while I was still in the Marine Corps, I decided to pursue online learning. And that's when I went through, you know, a couple of the schools I went through, you know, finally ended up on, you know, at Penn State with doing my bachelor's and my master's degree through them. And then now currently working on my doctorate through, you know, Purdue, you know. And the thing is, <clears throat> I went through a different route. But the thing is that, that, you know, I have friends who went through the tech college route, um, who went through the old UTI program, if you remember that one. The Universal Technical Institute, mm-hmm. MMI, Motorcycle um, and Marine Institute, yeah, all that. Yeah. So I got a lot of friends who went through that process. You know, they loved it. They're doing great right now, you know. And, you know, the and the thing is, is STEM and the automotive aftermarket industry is booming right now. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, but the thing is, you know, not everybody has to follow everybody else's path. You know, um, and that's kind of where, you know, that difference lies. But I like, you know, I believe like what you do. You know, I did ROTC in high school because I want to join the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I did. But the thing is, you know, you also have auto shop. You know, you know, you have Vo- shop class, vocational, vocational tra- training yeah. in, in in high school. But you know, I think that hey, if you're going to, you know, pit, try to pick a career or an area of interest, you know, in high school, you know, you should be you know supported with online learning. You know, while doing that, you get ahead of the game a little bit. Um. Even if you're not a stellar student in high school, you know, at least you can get into like a voc, voc school, get your, you know, core crap out of the way, you know, an online while you're in school, you know, in high school before you actually attend that vocational school. Um, you know, it, it's just that type of stuff. I, I think that we need to start prepping earlier. And, you know, I'm not saying going to middle school. No. I know we did have schools back where I'm from, back down in Florida, where you have magnet middle schools. Um, in magnet high schools where kids would go learn and go to those schools. They want to specialize in nursing. They want to specialize in computer analytics and computers and science and technology and stuff like that. Right. So they have all those schools. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of work your way to that path and kind of work through that process. You Mm -hmm. know, those are guys, you know, destined to go work someplace, 
you know, pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is we never push, hey, guess what? I'm going to go enrollment. You know, and I, I, I really do think that we need to go back to offering certificates in high school. So you come out of high school with a, with a certificate in hand that says, hey, guess what? I did four years worth of classes and welding technology. You know, I did one class per semester, you know, on welding technology on top of my core classes. Mm. It could be a class after, it could be, be a course after school, you know, for four years. And you get your, your welding certificate. Yeah. Guess what? Now you're ready for the job field immediately upon graduation. I want to go become a heavy equipment operator. Guess what? Once you turn 16, we can certify you in freaking heavy equipment operator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I think, like, if it worked over 500 years ago when we had guilds mm-hmm. that did apprenticeships, yeah, it tells me that it should work now. Right. Um, just to give you a little background where I started, so I had a, a, a general uh, diploma. Uh, originally, I had no intentions to go to college. Um, I had somebody to inspire me, and then I decided, okay, I'll go to college. So I decided to go to a technical college. I went to a technical college. I obtained my degree in industrial electronics, and then I built myself from there, um, working through several industries, uh, eventually landed in the automotive industry. But I didn't stop there. I kept uh, pursuing uh, my education through reading, uh, learning on the job, um, I'm doing projects. I've always been a tinkerer. I've been doing electronics since I was probably eight years old. Um, so for me, it's you have to have self-discipline to allow yourself to learn something every day. And this, this is something that you don't have to be fed from somebody. You don't have to be spoon-fed this. You mm-hmm. have to. Kids have to be impressed upon to understand that if you don't pursue learning for your whole life, the moment you stop learning, that's the moment you become less smart. That's, that's the moment you start to become less intelligent. Mm-hmm. The, the, the moment you decide I'm comfortable, I learned everything I can learn, then you're a foolish person. And I'm, I'm not here to point fingers at people. I'm just I'm a, I'm I'm ex- expressing to everybody the core concept of this podcast is about promoting learning every day. Right. That is our core concept. Um, that is, that is our core philosophy. So. With that being said, it makes it makes little it 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 doesn't make sense for schools not to pivot. Mm-hmm. Schools should be moving the same way that colleges are to having more online courses available to kids. There are plenty of systems in place where you can have lockdown browsers. There are plenty of systems in place where you can have a proctored exam with via webcams. Uh, the building is not what teaches the person. Right. The building is not what teaches the person. And that's that's the problem. We're, we're spending too much money on infrastructure 
that has little impact on what the kid learned. Yeah. It's the person that's delivering the information. I can agree with that. And I think that, you know, if we're if you know, that is becomes a comes to fruition, which I hope does, is the fact that, you know, if you're in um, some of our, you know, you know, the neighbors where you don't really have a whole lot of Wi Fi, um, and stuff like that, and you know, that if you're going to offer kids online education, then you need to give them a lockdown laptop that has a SIM card in it that allows them on the internet. Because, you know, we have neighborhoods and we have cities and stuff like that that aren't that well off. And, you know, they may not have access to internet. You know, I understand like AT&T is doing big things trying to push, you know, the, the internet for, you know, kids being at home and stuff like that. But I think it is the, it is the, 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 the let's say the requirement I, I feel it should be a requirement, you know, but it's an obligation for the education system to provide a, even if it in court, like for me, I'll pay higher on my taxes if I make sure kids are getting a good education. If, I, if that means, hey, guess what? They're getting a laptop with a SIM card in it that gets them on the internet so they can, you know, go to school because they live in an area where there's no Wi-Fi. So this is this is where I'll, I'll give you an alternative. If I do not have to have the buildings, mm -hmm. I don't have to have the utilities. Right. If I if I had no school system, I had to go to no buildings. All the money we're investing in buildings and superintendents and uh, committees for teacher unions, I don't need it. Take that money and fix the infrastructure. Yeah, I can see that. Relocate, reallocate that money to where it needs to be, to the people that need to be educated. If you don't want to do that, then we should invest in a library in every community yep. that any kid can go to, and those things are there. That library should also have a STEM lab in it. If, like I said, for me, we should be pushing to go online and get rid of these buildings. Yeah. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have places that people meet. That's what competitions are for. That's what, uh, say, seminars are for. That is, that's where trade shows are for. You know, it should be, it should be, you know, places that they can go meet. Yeah. I think the homeschooling, because kids are social in nature now, is probably the best, the best model. Yeah. Is there a ladder? Just give an option. Yeah, you know? but. How much money would we save in the United States if we could reduce the utilities that we spend on schools in every city? Yeah. The buildings that have to be maintained in every city, the principal that has to be there in every city, the superintendent that has to be there in every city. How much money would you save if you took all that money and put it back into online education, mm -hmm. AI, everything far as the infrastructure of the country? And then you train the next generation of workers, doctors, engineers, scientists, and so forth. I can see that working from from like high school up. I, I would even say from from the from the lower level because now the mother has the opportunity to stay home and nurse the baby chick 
Yeah. Herself. My, my, my only thing is, is when you start doing single, single families, you know, single mother, you know, single parent families, it starts to get a little bit tougher. That's why I think once you get to an age where he can be stay by himself, like middle school or like late middle school, early high school, that's where I think it kind of plays in because then the options there. But like I, I, once again, if I take the resources away from where we're putting it into a building, yeah, reallocate the resources that's being given to these communities, give the, 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 the parents the opportunity to get vouchers for a single mother. Yeah. We're, we're talking about, hey, we want to help these people. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll put the system in place from the money we would recoup from getting rid of a physical building. I'm not saying all buildings, but I'm saying in general, within the next 10 years, it makes no sense to have a physical building. Yeah, and I don't think there will be. It, it, it's, it's absolutely insane to think that somebody want to keep a building so somebody can have a job. The yeah. job will not go away. It just will be online. Right. What will go away is I do not need a principal or a vice principal or a coach for a football team. You, If you want football, fine. You set up your rec league to have your football teams. Yeah. Or what they call you, you know, like traveling teams, if that's what you want. Yeah. If you still want a physical building, it's fine. I'm not saying get rid of all physical buildings, but we should reduce the amount of physical buildings we have. The option should be given to any kid, to any family to do online or a physical building. I agree with you. And we, we should take the resources we could recoup from that and put it back into those poor neighborhoods. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, we, we have to look at, you know, also like what you were talking about when it comes down to the fact of getting people doing apprenticeships and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I know some of the people that listen to us, you know, are, are more more than likely military members, you know, or service members. Um, guys, if you are, please, 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 within 180 days of getting out, if you know you're an EAS, if you know you're calling it quits, you know you're gonna, if you know you're gonna retire, if you're gonna retire, you know, 30 years or, or less, or you're going to just say, hey, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. 180 days out. Start looking at DOD SkillBridge. Go in there, you'll get free training, you'll get a job offer, um, do an apprenticeship, you know, get some stuff out of the way, you know. Um, do it while you still have time in the Marine Corps or the military or the Army, Navy, or, or whatever, Coast Guard if you're part of the Department of Transportation. Um, or DHS now, sorry, they migrated over the years. Um, but. It was it was the IRS at one point, um, but <laughs> you know they're just they just kind of like bounce around, you know. They work for the Marine Service, but the thing is, you know, guys, you know, go take a look at DOD Skillbridge. They're paying you for 180 days to you know while you're you know, taking care of everything else to go learn a trade, to go learn something. You know, that's not an easy, oh, look, I'm getting out, you know, early, 180 days, I can slack off. No, you're still held to the same standard. You're, you're still under the UCMJ. You are still, you know, doing what you got to do, but you're learning a trade. You know, all it requires is commander approval. Go to the, go look up DODSkillBridge.gov and, um, you know, go talk to career counselors. You know, they'll, they'll make it happen, you know, or they'll try to at least. So, you know, 
That's just one thing. It's just make sure that you're on top of things. I wish I would have known about DOD skill bridge when I got out. You know, because honestly, well, when I got out, I kind of transitioned right into uh, DOD contracting. So, you know, that's just beside the point. I got lucky. Um, but the thing is, is I know some people that they could have used DOD skill bridge to help them out when they first got out of the Corps. Right, you know. But, you know, there's that. Um, the other thing is, you know, as, as we start talking about, you know, you know, the, the, the STEM education evolution is we have a lot of um, homeless shelters. We have a lot of, um, you know, like the VA has their own homeless community. Um, same thing, uh, Nine Line is working on one in Savannah uh, for homeless veterans um, and stuff like that. Um, I really think that we need to bring in, like, STEM labs and stuff like that into these areas and teach these guys why they're there, you know, not just veterans alone, but, you know, anybody from the community, and teach them that trade. Teach, teach them how to weld. Teach them how to operate equipment. Teach them how to do, you know, you know, pipe fitting. You know, teach them how to do, <clears throat> you know, robotics. You know, you got these guys who, who they, you know, they need help. You know, be the light. And... You know, they, they, they need, they, you know, the thing is, is yes, you may have some people who, you know, have, you know, health issues or may have, you know, drug addiction issues. Guess what? Just be a light. You know, teach them, you know, what they can do where they don't have to go panhandle, where they don't have to be, you know, living, you know, in a way that they, should, they, they, don't, they shouldn't be. Give them a job. And, and I think that the piggyback on that, I think the first thing is first we need to give them help. Right. So I think the help is first. So psychological help, uh, substance abuse help, um, and then and then maybe maybe even you know um, you know just to be able to talk to somebody. Then once we do that, it should be like a three-step process. Mm -hmm. uh, you you first try to reach out to the person to to convince them. That you can help them. You have to gain trust first. Right. Then you should, how can we help them resolve whatever demons they have? Um, and then we should say, hey, here's the re rehabilitation process. So the re we reach out, we heal, we rehabilitate. Yep. And then in the rehabilitation process, we find out what that person has a passion for. And then we try to match them with whatever... Um, skill we could we could uh match them with yeah. whether it's like i think a little bit in, more unconventional uh how to fly a drone to make money mm -hmm. how to use your uh, a camera to make money how to use uh art to make money how to use online e-commerce e to make money right so it's, it's a lot of things we can do with that mm -hmm. but if somebody's interested in other things I would call these like the, oh, I would call these the cyber skills. Mm -hmm. But then we would get into say, like more of the, um, the old skills. Yeah. Welding, machining, um, pipe fitting, uh, carpentry, mm -hmm. um, auto automotive work, um, repair. 
far as uh, doing uh, repair to you know uh, cars that's been crashed, mm -hmm. and then I would say we would get into uh, the the newer things like technology, like robotics, um, CAD, CAM, um, 3D printing, um, robotics, um, uh, automation and controls, electric, being an electrician, being a plumber. Uh, it doesn't seem like an electrician or plumber would be those new world things, but they are because it, it's the, the field is transforming. Yeah. Uh, well, the same thing goes for, you know, carpentry. Carpentry is dying mm -hmm. little bit by little bit. You know, no one really wants to get into it right now. So, you know, just getting people into the, the, the trades that are dying, you know, yep. you bring those trades back. You know, um, blacksmithing, for example. Yep. You know, getting out, you know, you see these, you know, custom knife makers and stuff like that. Forged and fired if you watch mm -hmm. TV a lot. Um, you know, the old school trades, mm -hmm. you know, the, the trades that are going to are going to come back. Um, because the thing is, is once something dies, it dies for good. Um, you know, some people, not so much, um, you know, they like to bring things back, which mm -hmm. is good. So, you know, if we can bring back, Hey, you know, you know, uh, forging, you know, guess what? Now you're making stuff with your own hands. You're, you're seeing that come to life. You're able to sell that. You know, to do like, um, uh, was it ch uh, chair rail, or the rails for stairs and stuff like that? You know, you get that type of you know type of background. You mm -hmm. just you know get a little bit of you know clout behind your ass. You know, but the thing is, is you know I, I think that you know getting people into the older trades also is is, is something. Mm -hmm. You know, getting people back into you know right to repair, repairing. You know, vehicles and stuff like that. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not, you know, now with the advent of EV and stuff like that, you're really not repairing as much. But the thing is, is you got guys who, you know, they may have a passion for things. And these guys, you kind of pair them up with, you know, custom hot rod manufacturers, you know, and watch that, you know, passion thrive. You got somebody who used to be a welder. Guess what? Now you can go build frames, you know, for, you know, these custom car, you know, custom million dollar cars, you know, stuff like that. You know, you have a little bit of fun with it. And, you know, with that, I, I, I really think that, you know, it, it, it comes full circle. Mm -hmm. Like you said, even the, new, even the newer, you know, trends of CAD CAM, you know, whatever, still falls back to the old style. You still have the guys having to use CAD CAM with machining, with lathing, mm -hmm. with um, additive manufacturing, which is now a new, new trend, old technology. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's kind of one of those things. It does a big giant circle. And, you know, what is old is new again, and what is new is old again. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have plenty of people to fill the void. However, some of them just don't know about it yet. Yeah. And then we should also look at the incarcerate. Yeah. Uh, oh, I agree with you there. Unfortunately, often two times, I mean, unfortunately, often too many times, we, uh, you know, place a person, uh, we incarcerate a person, mm -hmm. rightfully so. Yeah. They, they did commit a crime, and we do have laws that must be abided by. But maybe I'm naive. You're playing right the in my person court. should not come out worse than they were when they went in. Okay, you're playing right in my court here. Yeah. Because most of y'all don't know this. Um, my bachelor's degree is in criminal justice. My master's degree is in homeland security. Um, you know, when I was doing my bachelor's degree, I really looked into revetivism. Um, if you're not familiar with what revetivism is, 
Revettism is those who get released go back. Um, and the thing is, is right now the trend is to stop that. It's because people come out and they don't think they have a path forward. Um, I've seen some jails and some communities out there right now that are pushing trades. That, you know, if you want to get released early, guess what? You're going to go get a, a, a certificate to learn a trade and, you know, get your GED out the way and, you know, start learning something. You know, have a little bit of fun with it. You know, they're the more of your community, you know, your, your low-level, you know, prison systems, right? But I think the latest number that came out with revetism was somewhere in the neighborhood of 25%. Um, maybe more. I think at one point it was high as, what, 50, 60% that those who offend will come back. And usually it's within one year. Um, and then after one year, that, that number drastically drops. It goes from like 60% to like 30 and like six months, you know, and then it's down to 20 and 10 and, you know, whatever, unless there's drug use involved and then back up again. Um, and, and, and that's another part. That's that's the part we don't focus on. For me, we should have a benchmark when the person goes in. If the person has some type of psychological dis, you know, disorder, then that person probably needs to be in some type of facility where that can be addressed. Right. You know, if the person has a drug addiction, then that person needs to be sent to some place to be clean. Yep. To, to, to go through a process to be off of drugs, mm -hmm. you know, and then this needs to be verified, just like we do drug testing for people on a job, there should be drug testing through the whole process of your incarceration. Yeah. And if you test positive, then that's more time. Yeah. Well, and the good thing is, is, you know, once you're incarcerated, we, we know that sometimes things get in. But, <clears throat> you know, the issue sometimes we see is people leave incarceration, they go back to their old friends and their old ways of doing things which drags them right back to the reason why they were there. But, but that's why you make support systems outside. Right. And, but, and the thing is, is most jail systems now, they've gone to the educate the masses approach where they want to offer, you know, educational systems while people are incarcerated, give them reasons to learn, give them things to do, and stuff like that. Teach them a trade if that if it's a bigger state-run prison or it's a federal you know penitentiary, they do have you know trades that people can learn. Not just making you know your you know um, uh, what is a license plate, um, but you know where people can go learn how to be how to cook, how to you know do you know um, uh, metalworking and stuff like that. Welding, you know these guys who who you know they come out of the, you know, out, out of society and the incarceration, but they have a trade coming in, you know, mm -hmm. into the jails. Well, the one thing that I don't think we do enough is we leverage that. We don't do enough um, what I like to call peer-to-peer -peer teaching. You know, we don't have where, hey, because most people are going to learn from their friends, is why can't we have classes that have a main teacher in the, in the, in the, in the you know, in, in the, you know, prison systems? And this is not just, you know, main state-run prisons. You know, this is like community jails. You know, community jails, you're 30 days in or less. You know, after 30 days, you get transferred to a state prison depending on where you're at. State of Florida, it's 30 days uh, county incarceration. 
Once you pass 30 days, it's mandatory you go to a, to a, to a state-run uh, prison system unless you're being held for some sort of uh, post-trial confinement. Um, so, but the thing is, I think it needs to start there, too, where you have a teacher, but you say, hey, look, I got an inmate who knows, and you take, you take an inventory when they first get there. Hey, what do you know what to do? What do you know what to do? Oh, I can well. Okay, cool. Okay, guess what? Are you interested? And if we pair you with a welding with a welding teacher, will you help teach your fellow inmates how to weld? No. Because people are going to learn better. People are going to learn from their friends or people who they say, oh, he's in my same shoes. It's not this, you know, this guy sitting up in the corner, you know, that he guess what he has to leave the jail every day. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody they can go to and ask questions about, you know, and stuff like that. Build that support system right there and, you know, that's not to come back to bite you in the butt. And, and I, I think that that's I, I like the uh, I like the peer to peer, but I think the same thing that we were discussing earlier. I think we should be using the online technology we have, yeah, to to teach some of the concepts we want to teach. You know, like some of the basic stuff can be taught for robotics. Some of the basic stuff can be taught for welding, uh, because it's a lot of metallurgy. Involved mm-hmm. with with uh, welding, yeah. Different types of welding wire uh, diameter, the uh, temperature at which you weld, or mm-hmm. the current at which you use to reach those temperatures. How much penetration you need in the material. All those things can be taught online, right? I agree. With and, that. and it can be just a web-based thing. We don't have to have a person that's leading that. That can be made one time. Yeah. The, the the federal institutions or the local institutions can reach out to whatever uh, organization say, hey, can you create us a training plan? Yeah. And that training plan can be set up for one time, and it covers everybody that ever comes into that system. Right. You pay for it once. <clears throat> and, you know, I agree with that. You know, I also think that, you know, there needs to be, you know, since we like, you know, dealing with, you know, robotics, machining, and stuff like that, is... There needs to be an advanced, like manufacturing facility built on the grounds of some of our, 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 our some of our prisons. And what I mean by that is the fact that um, you know we build this location and we make sure that one we have uh, robots, we have CNC machines. We have PLCs. Um, we have instructors who can do it. Because the thing is, is this type of equipment is relevant for all the manufacturers across the United States. And what that means is that you have, you know, employability. These guys will come out understanding how to do robot commissioning, understand how to do PLC support and PLC commissioning. They'll learn, you know, soft trades where they can go and work at a factory and be a maintenance tech and get their hands dirty and go, you know, and go be, you know, successful. But at the same time, this is where we need the companies to give a little bit. You got these companies who, and this is where the revetism thing comes in, is the fact that we have companies out there that won't hire somebody with a record. Who won't hire somebody with a past incarceration. 
guess what? Mistakes happen. It's not like you murdered somebody. You know, it might be attempt, but if you murdered somebody, I guess, but you're still there. But the thing is, is revenantism is also because companies don't give people a choice or a chance. To be honest with you, if you bust your butt, if you're willing to work hard, I don't care if you have a freaking incarceration or not. You, you know, I'd give you a shot just because, guess what? You're willing to put the, you're willing to put the time in. You know, and learn and freaking have some fun and stuff like that. And you're wanting to, you know, you know, grow a little bit. And with that, I think one of the best things I've seen to help stop revenantism is, I believe it's in New York. It's a pizza restaurant. Oh, Philly. In Philly. Yeah. Yep, that's run 100% by um, ex-inmates to prevent them from going back to jail. That's what we need more of. We need people giving other people a chance. Not everybody is going to have a four-year degree. Not everybody's going to have a squeaky clean record. If you're denying, and this is goes to the thinking of the company people out there, if you are denying somebody a job because they have a record and they've been incarcerated, then you are part of the problem. And honestly, I honestly think that if you're unwilling to hire somebody with, an, with a record, then you should be paying heavier taxes. Because guess what? You're the reason why we have people who are having to revert back to what got them locked up in the first place. So, like, to split this me just a little bit, I believe it's any company's, it's their choice. Yes, I get that. They're, they're, they're not being good citizens. If a person went through... If a person was incarcerated and then they were deemed uh, rehabilitated and they were paroled, yeah. then that person should be given an opportunity based on the skill set. Right. Um, myself, I don't like when we make, and I don't want to get into laws, but I don't like things we have to do to make somebody to do it. I think we should compel people to do it. Right. I think we, we're... We're smart enough people, or there are a lot of smart people on this planet, that we can figure out a way how to compel companies yeah, to, to, that. To, to hire people, as, as opposed to making some law. I know what I will say is we have to draw the line somewhere with some type of crimes that are committed. Right, I can, I can agree with that, yeah. We, we have to say some crimes, we just can't have a person that embezzled money work at a bank. Right, that I, that I, I 100% agree with. I can't have a person that hurt a child work at a school. Right, if, if, yeah. if, if the crime deals with what you're trying to get a job in, yeah. then you don't need to be there. Yeah, yeah. so so we'll just <laughs> say that. And, and so the, That what, I agree with. My, my proposal is, though, that even those people, if they have proven that they have been rehabilitated, that they still should have the opportunity to work in some trade. Right. If they learn to trade, they can become a small business owner and run their own business. Right, exactly. So I think it should be more promotion of that because that's the vehicle that immigrants are using now is to have their own businesses and have their own trade right. and run their own companies. So I think we should teach people fiscal responsibility, 
how to start a business, mm -hmm. what's the process of getting a license, what taxes have to be paid, how do I have to, how do I do a payroll, mm -hmm. how do I get people, you know, or resources so that I can have the right personnel in place to run my business. Right. And I'll, I'll jump on that topic. <clears throat> we are going to go over today, so... Um, I think if, you know, if we're going to spend time in which I hope we do and teach STEM trades to people who are incarcerated and they want to open their own business, they should be partnered with somebody who, in the community who already has a business doing that Yeah, and walk them through holding their hand, walking them through the process, make them be their a have, mentor. Right, a mentor. Yeah. You know, make them be their business AA guy. You know, you mm -hmm. you got AA for alcohol. You know, why can't I have AA for business? Guess what? You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be your your, your blue chip. So mm -hmm. let, let, let let's work through this. And and then the other thing I was like, we we have and it keeps them on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Because guess what? They have somebody to talk to. Right. They have they have a, a, a dream they're pursuing. Right. They're you know using STEM education to further their life. And you put them with a mentor who can help them with that, who can help them get funding, which that's another thing that aggravates me, is sometimes they can't get funding because of everything else, which I think is BS. So, but I think if you show interest in that, you get all your stuff done, you should be able to get funding to keep your business moving. Yeah. So, that's short of it. But the thing is, is I really think that there should be a mentor-mentee process for people coming out of you know incarceration that want to open any type of business. And it, it's just, you know, now, if you are a drug dealer and you want to go put a dispensary, eh, I could see that too. Um, there's always ways forward. Um, just watch which ones you're dealing with. Um, but the thing is, is I really think that, you know, that type of, you know, mentor-mentee type of thing needs to happen. Because we're going to start seeing a lot of industries grow. You know, we've seen... You know what? I brought up the old drug dealer comment. That was mainly a joke based off the fact that we have le we, um, legalization of marijuana happening throughout the United States. You're going to have to have dispensaries. You're going to have people who want to run those. People understand the trade. You get people that, you know, hey, you know, they went to jail because they had petty, you know, possession, marijuana possession. Oh, cool. You know, whatever. You want to go, you know, run a dis be a dispensary owner? There you go. You know? But the thing is, just give them a chance. You know, don't freaking... Tell them that you can't go work at a Target because you had a petty possession of weed. You know, really? You know, um, but, you know, the thing is, I really think that you need to have the mentor-mentee process. And that's where I say, like, today we are in a society that's social in nature. So, I believe that the path forward is technology. I, be I believe forums and discord and those groups need to be set up by like-minded people that went through that process yeah. um, and then they, they can do what you're talking about you know you should do outreach through social media um, but I believe we should make applications that make it really easy for a person to understand how to do all the things we said like what does it take to come up with a name for a company, mm -hmm. what does it take to come up with becoming an LLC? What does it take to get your business license? What does it take to prepare your uh, taxes? What does it take to get the personnel in place to have a crew to be able to do the work? 
Maybe you're not going to start out as a business owner instantly. Maybe you have to go pay your dues and yeah. work in the field and learn the trade. Makes sense. And then you go and, and take this path. But maybe we should have some type of course that's, that's provided by, you know, the correctional facility that they're held accountable to. Yeah. You, you're not just a, you're not like a daycare for criminals. Right. That's, that should not be your goal. Your goal should be, hey, we want to reform these people. Yeah. And if we're, that's not what we're doing with prison systems, then we need to really look at why, why are we even doing a prison system? Yeah. You know, the, the prison system is the issue to me. And, you know, the thing is, I think some states are doing better than others. Um, I really do. I really think your Midwestern states are probably doing a lot better than, you know, some of the other states are. Um, you know, some states have the funding. You know, Florida, for example, you know, doing pretty well in it. But if we but, have an example, that example should be spotlighted by the federal government that's involved in every incarceration yeah. program. Everyone, right. even local. They right. have some involvement. Right. They should set a mandate to say this is what has to happen not we taking more taxes no this is what you're required to do with the money I gave you yep. I can see that I, mean, I agree with that you know the thing is is you know right now everybody's going to complain about money and that's what they do so I hate yeah. to say it that way but that's what, it, what yeah. happens um, but you know the thing is, is you know, I think that you know the evolution of STEM education is, is, is yeah. booming it's changing it's ever going to change you know, we know that, you know, whether it's supporting special needs, you know, the ones who are incarcerated, you know, the people who, you know, want to learn more and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of change the way they are. You know, like our outlet, you know, we've kind of evolved, you know, over time from, you know, talking about what we have been to, you know, more topics that kind of, you know, get people thinking. You know, not like anything else we've ever talked about that people thinking, um, which has been, which we've yeah. been doing pretty good about. Um, and, you know, the thing is, is, is we have fun with it, um, yeah. and we hope that you know we encourage people to have you know have fun with it, get involved with it, you know, really get to, to talking about it, and you know go out there and you know see things, you know, and have fun with it. But you know, I really think that that kind of takes us, you know, to the the end here, and you know what, I'm just gonna pull up our numbers uh, for a little bit. Kind of because I like kind of going over that with you all. So we're at 2,217 all time listeners. You know, I, I and you know, we couldn't thank y'all enough. You know, there's gonna be some stuff coming, you know, that we're doing some big things. Um, you know, go take a look at you know the blog, go take a look at the, the YouTube channel. Um, you know, go look at, you know, Vulcan R 3D if you really were looking for, like, merch. We're going to start coming out with more and more shirts and stuff like that that we can give, that we, that we can do. Um, so Printed Heritage, go take a look at some of that stuff. Um, you know, let us know. We're doing like, more, doing more and more 3D printed designs and stuff like that that we're working on, stuff that we're having fun with. But, you know, the thing is, is we are also going to start looking at the ways that, you know, we can give back. You know, so you may start seeing us to have more and more classes, you know, pop up on Udemy. Um, or, you know, we may end up finding a way to host our own STEM Academy, you know, somewhere down the road. So you never know what we're going to find. You never know what you're going to find, you know, us doing. So, you know, stay around, stick around, have a little bit of fun. And, uh, you know, 
we appreciate y'all. We thank y'all. And uh, have a good one. Turn y'all in. So I, I would just like to talk about two other groups we didn't talk about, and I'll just keep it short. But we didn't talk about uh, factories that close and, uh, oh, em- yeah. em- and employees that have to learn a new skill. And we haven't talked about people that have worked in the industry for a while and they decide uh, they either pushed out or they decide to retire or they decide to change career paths. So that's that's another area that we'll probably talk about in the future. Um, yeah, well, STEM and job change uh, yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, but what I would like to say, we do appreciate all the support. We appreciate everybody that listens. Uh, uh, you know us, guys. We, we, we're we not going to always be, uh, I would say, normal. We're going to talk about different things. Uh, we don't mean to offend anybody, but at the same time, we're not going to apologize about talking about what we talk about. Um, you you listen to us because you enjoy the, the content that we create. Um, what I would like to impress on everybody, you know, hey, this is, this podcast is not just ours. It's our our listeners. So we want you guys to, to be involved, and if you uh, would like to critique or if you would like to offer advice or if you would like to uh, uh, ask for us to talk about certain topics, um, we're open to that. Uh, mm-hmm. We're really trying to figure out, you know, um, the logistics of doing a live um, episode with you guys where we take questions and answers. Uh, just a whole, you know, episode of nothing but just taking questions and answers from you guys. Whether that's uh, call in, uh, some type of uh, message, uh, you know, like you can reach us on one of the social media platforms. Um, but we're really looking into that. And then uh, we'll do a happy hour with them. Yeah, and then like I said, uh, like I said, we appreciate it, and uh, guys, keep up the support. Yep. All right, y'all, go out there and learn something, and uh, learn something new every day. All right, y'all, have a good one. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoy the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.